Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Make Mind Media, the show all about Spider-Girl and her world. I'm Zach Joyner. This is the audio edition of the program. If you like this show, leave let us let us know. Give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, before we get started, i got to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Network. It's been a while since we've done these audio editions, so without further ado, i got to thank Vinkman, Scott, Greg, Phoenician, Jurgen, Kale, Georgia, Cindy, Jessica, and Catherine. Thank you guys for your support of all of our shows here on the Spidey Radio Network. Shows such as Voices from the Area, Gargoyles Podcast. Shows such as Spectacular Radio and Clone Saga Chronicles. Shows such as Amazing Spider-Man Classics, Savvy Sema Era Podcast, and upcoming soon, more Patreon-exclusive content. Books of X will be a Patreon-first show. We've got some exclusive stuff, exclusive reviews over on Patreon.com slash Network as well. With a uh, coming soon will be a live commentary that is going to be exclusive to our Patreon subscribers. So if you like that type of stuff, let us know. So without further ado, I got to uh, give our usual disclaimer. These shows are usually live streamed on YouTube, youtube.com slash Radio Network. And as a result, there's going to be some live comments and or visual aids that are going to be referenced on the show. So if you pay that no mind uh, or you want to, you can always go watch the YouTube feed. It is available in the same episode as the show is being posted. So if you go to spidey-dude.com, you click on the episode, it's going to be in the show notes of the episode. So if you want to check out the video version, it's always in the uh, down below the description. So without further ado, let's get started here on Make My Mayday. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Make My Mayday. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster of spidey-dude.com and co-host of the program. Thank you for watching. If you're watching us on YouTube, if you're listening to us in the audio edition, thank you as well. Uh, before we get started, we onecom slash dude. Thank you guys uh, for your support. Bigman, Scott, Greg, Jurgen, Venetian, Kale, Georgia, and Cindy, thank you guys for your support on patreon.com slash network. We got a lot of great content coming your way. Cannot wait for later on this year to have some new programs uh, such as Powers of X and House of X show hosted by our very own Neil Bogenreiter. Anyway, with that, I want to introduce Kelly. Hi. I am Help. here. Yes. <laughs> we both barely are here. We got a lot going on. <laughs> but we did it. We did it. We're here. We actually are recording this. I honestly, I'm slightly thinking, and we'll get into it. I'm slightly thinking that it was hard for us to kind of get this together too, just because I know for me, it really depends on certain characters in mm-hmm. in Avengers Next, because uh, it started dragging for me a little bit. <laughs> no disrespect to Tom DeFalco and Ron Lim and the whole crew. Right. It's, it's just, I don't care about, I'm not emotionally as invested in those characters as I am um, other characters. Um, mm. Well, we'll talk about it. Yes, we definitely will. Because, because I mean, for those that don't know, if you didn't see the title uh, in the uh, or looking at the title, we were covering the five issue miniseries Avengers Next. Not to be confused with the ongoing series, the twelve issue ongoing series A Next. This is the uh, uh, miniseries that came out around the same time as Amazing Spider Girl. So that's why we're covering it in this episode because we covered the first five issues of or first six technically issues mm-hmm. of Amazing last episode so um yeah i'm i I am excited to be back uh we haven't been on for a while obviously and i am just i'm i'm really thankful to be back on and 
if my voice sounds a little croaky, I have a sore throat, so uh, apologies in advance. Of course, also want to give our brief disclaimer about the uh, audio edition to our audio listeners. If you are watch- not watching us and you're listening to us in the audio edition, please excuse references to visual aids and uh, live comments. We do these shows live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So thank you guys. Be sure to hit subscribe, uh, give us a like, and a share. Share is uh, sharing is caring. So share this at all your favorite places. So, all right. Um, as I pull up my notes. <laughs> yeah. So basically I don't have much in terms of news or housekeeping. I could have missed something, um, but you know, obviously no Funko news. Clearly. <laughs> I, I don't expect to get it at this point. Uh, I would like my money back. I think. <laughs> um, uh, hopefully it's July. I don't know. We'll see. I, I give, I give up. Uh, but yeah, no, nothing. I don't think there's anything in the pipeline right now in terms of Spider Girl news. I mean, we might get stuff later on with uh, across the Spider Verse and fingers crossed. But yeah. right now, it's. Uh, I know that the like they're doing like an end of Spider Verse story. Yeah, they are. But I haven't heard anything. I, I feel like she's at this point. If they're gonna play it smart she's going to be in the end though slots involved isn't he slot is writing it so <laughs> sorry <laughs> i can't i can't i just i'm tired and i'm like emotionally exhausted and i just i can't hide it today i we both are i don't want him writing her oh and no I, I feel like there's enough to back like to back that up on why i just i'm not happy about that um, and probably why we're not really talking about it, but also because I'm, I haven't heard anything directly where she will be involved. So, yeah, you know, obviously until we get some solicitations and things like that, yeah. like uh, that, you know, we'll see some covers. Because all we know is that that slot. It's funny. I think he's wrapping up his FF run, and then he's going to do this, and then we really don't know what he's doing after that. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know. I mean, I just this would be a perfect opportunity, and maybe they'll do it with spinoffs. Obviously, like maybe there'll be a little one one shot or like three issue. Um, but it would be nice, especially because Marvel wants to highlight um, different writers. If we could get a female writer, maybe Jody Hauser again, Kelly Thompson. Yeah, I, Gail, I, Gail Simone for all like. For all yeah. intents and purposes, like I, I just, I just, my thing is, is like, if you don't understand the character, please don't write them. If you want to make them a Robin to their Batman, don't write the character because that's not the character. <laughs> and oh, I just am over it. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, we're in this weird phase because, like all things Spidey are going to be celebrated, you know, pretty much between now and the end of the year, because we're in the 60th anniversary. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see something, but you know, well, I just, we'll see something. It's just nothing, not nothing we know of. And like I said, I, I'm always weary. So <laughs> we have been burned too many times. I, it's We've been abused. What, what was it? Uh, so on the crawl space, George has said that Marvel abuses us. And honestly, I think, especially when it comes to Spider-Girl, I think he's slightly right. 
they got mad. They got mad that we um, we proved them wrong so many times. So now that they're not hindered by that system as much, they're they're just going to abuse us. That that might be my. It might be a sadistic thing. Right. <laughs> I will say this to acknowledge because uh, this happened a few weeks ago. But but one of the biggest advocates for Spider Girl uh, officially is leaving Marvel, which. Yeah. Uh, Joe Casada. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what happens next. I don't think there's going to be a lot of changes status quo wise. Um, but because I mean, Sobolski, I mean, he, he's like a ghost right now. You haven't, nobody's seen him. <laughs> I think I've seen him do like one promotional thing. And I'm like, uh, okay. And now it'll be interesting to see again. We have at San Diego Comic-Con in a couple weeks. So yeah, sure. San Diego Comic-Con. Um, <clears throat> so uh, that'll be that'll be interesting because I know I know like there's a lot of things close to the vest that everybody's holding on to for San Diego uh, it's that time of year <clears throat> so maybe you know now that we're getting this big return to San Diego we'll get an actual like um we'll get some actual news to, to be able to report on um, because I mean obviously there's not been very many announcements of like in person so uh and there's just something special about announcing things in person i think so um we're starting to see things go kind of back to normal but we'll see you know uh well we'll see i mean numbers unfortunately covid numbers are rising because it's summer and people are going out and not being careful Mm -hmm. um because you know we're still living like i i just said this on um because i guessed uh guest i was a guest on my friend cc's halloween horror nights podcast and i like we're still in a pandemic we're like at the end of the pandemic we're not quite at the endemic despite our um a lot of people wanting us to be right so we still need to be very careful and i like i said i i think we'll i think we are getting back to normal so we'll see we'll see what we get at san diego comic-con heck we'll see what we get at dragon con because they started announcing stuff at Dragon Con, they, you know, like now the smaller cons are getting some of this action too. So that's nice. Yeah, I, I like it. Dragon Con small, but right. But no, like uh, Heroes Con, uh, our good friend, uh, friend of the show, Ron Friends, is uh, there with I think Tom DeFalco, Howard Mackey. Um, uh-huh. oh. well, Heroes Con is is the Comic Con. That's that is where your true comic fans are going to be. I wish I was there. Uh, it was planned like before everything shut down and I just, I couldn't, um, couldn't schedule it correctly. So. Yeah. I mean, trying to schedule things right now is, is pretty difficult. So I'm, you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, I'll believe when I see it, I was going to try to go to, uh, fan expo Dallas over father's day with everything going on in my personal life. It just, I, I didn't have the ability to do it. So, um, yeah, may you live in interesting times. That's the old ch- <laughs> proverb. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think that's really all we have for like news and housekeeping. Um, yeah. So are we going to, uh, are we going to do the rundown straight and then give our thoughts? I, we're trying to no, I think we're still going to do it fairly by issue. Okay. Just because most of them do have a fairly decent cutting point of the whole story. Hi. Speaking of, Ron Friends. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, watching us via YouTube uh, and yeah. not, which is cool. Not, yeah. 
Yeah. So awesome. Very cool. But yeah, so we're I'm gonna take uh the breakdowns for one through three and mm -hmm. Zach's gonna take four and five. Do we have any history? Uh the history of this was this was announced at the same time as Amazing Spider Girl. So um and we'll talk about like the cover dates and the release dates. This one was not was kind of twice a week. It was bi-weekly. It wasn't the weekly format like we got with like Last Hero Standing. Uh, it's very similar in, in terms of release of how Last Planet Standing was. So, um, but that, you know, this was again, them, you know, doing this big kind of marketing push with Amazing Spider-Girl, bring this out. And then of course we'll have the uh, Fantastic Five mini series that's uh, going to be coming out in uh, at this uh, later on. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about too so and i think that's the last like mc2 and you can correct me because you're good at this i think that's the last mc2 series for a while i so. believe so i literally can pull it up because i have the reading order mm -hmm. um but i believe it's so for us to do our episodes the idea is we're going to it's going to we're going to go back to Spider-Girl and then we're going to go to Fantastic Five after that. And, ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> um, uh, for those that are audio listeners, he says, uh, Deron Friend says, uh, DeFalco couldn't make it. He double booked a huge modeling gig. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So go ahead. Go ahead. So yeah. So after that though, it, uh, we don't, it's all Amazing Spider-Girl until American Dream, which is going to be mm -hmm. right after Amazing Spider-Girl 19. So, yeah. So, this is, uh, other than the Fantastic Five miniseries, we'll, we, we're kind of semi-winding down the MC2 stuff and mainly focusing on, on Amazing Spider-Girl. So Yeah. All right. Uh, with that, uh, Kelly, if you'll give us the breakdown of... Uh, yes, as I get back to it. All right. So... On issue one, it's going to be cover date January 2007. Release date is November 1st, 2007. Uh, writer Tom DeFalco, penciler Ron Lim, inker Scott Koblish, letterer David Sharp, colorist Rob Rowe, editor Molly Laser. And this goes for all five issues. Uh, cover credits, penciler is Mike. Uh, I just call him right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, and then Inker is Sean Parsons. And the that's also for all covers. So. Huh? The late, great Mike Ringo. Uh, he, yes. a couple years later, he passed away. Oh, so, yeah. um, I, I really love these covers. They're, they're some of my favorite things they, about them. They really are. They're pretty great. So, the breakdown. Does the world still need Avengers? This is not only the title of this issue, but something American Dream demands to know as she bangs her fist on the table. We see the character, uh, we do see the characters of this issue are going to be Spider-Girl, Saberclaw, Stinger, American Dream, J2, Blue Streak, and Kevin Masterson, formerly Thunderstrike. He lost his powers last time we saw our team in Last Planet Standing. Dream is just feeling very defeated, saying that they can't even get a win with two-bit criminals like the Revengers. Kevin tells her that she's being way too harsh. Um, so is the Bugle art article that kind of started this rant uh, and reminds us of the events of Last Planet Standing with Galactus. 
he feels like they've done their fair share. This line irks uh, Shannon a little bit. Every hero was there doing their fair share of work. She lists everyone on the team um, that has basically lost uh, since the events of Last Planet Standing. You've got Freebooter is out on injury. Stinger left from all the infighting going on in the mansion. Spider-Girl may have permanently retired and Mainframe was called to Washington. She also mentions how Kevin lost his powers. Ouch. Uh, Kevin and Dream continued to not see eye to eye on the team's next moves when it comes to the Avengers. Meanwhile, okay, I don't know what I was writing there. Oh, okay. Meanwhile, on an Avengers tour, I that was a weird misspelling, uh, a man in a bullseye shirt sneaks off away from the group. Actually, it's not a shirt. It's a suit. And this bullseye guy steals something from the med lab and portals on out. Uh, and this is before... Wow. Uh, this is before that they're able to catch him. The guy's name is Warp, but I have Realm. It's Warp. It Realm. Yeah, <laughs> Warp. All right. So the guy's name is Warp, and we see that he's stolen something for his client, something that can help gain a key and a realm reborn. There we go. One of the clients get angry at warp and this crone witchy lady uh, that reminds the man in the pimp suit to calm down that warp has already helped so much and now they can destroy the Avengers and achieve the unachievable. We find out from a call that Stinger and Dream, uh, that the items that were stolen were blood and tissue samples of former and current Avengers. Stinger offers suggestions, but refuses to go back to the mansion as, as uh, Dream suggests, she didn't actually quit because of mainframe. It's got a lot to do with what's going on in the house. Kevin and Dream talk about if the world actually needs them as Avengers, um, when they are interrupted by a visit from Saberclaw. Since the events of Last Planet Standing, Saberclaw and Freebooter became best buddies, and Saberclaw realized that he likes being a good guy and wants to join the team. Dream assumes this is a joke and obviously a distraction as alarms go off about an infiltration of the compound, only this isn't some Revenger ploy that she thinks it is, and Saberclaw is telling the truth the infiltration is actually some clone zombies out on the lawn ready to fight uh, zombie versions of current and old Avengers. Cool. The Saberclaw and Dream rush into action, especially as the tour group is coming face to face with a zombie horde. Blue Streak and J2 stop playing their video games as duty calls, and at Midtown High, someone gets a text from their flip phone. It's May Mayday Parker. And she gets a call or gets a text that there are zombies at the Avenger mansion. And despite some disbelief, May jumps into action, running up the stairs to the roof with her red hoodie. The Avengers do their best to beat these zombies, but someone is clearly controlling them. The crone androgynous being, because I have, it just, if you just looked at it, I wouldn't know, uh, I wouldn't be able to call the gender. So very androgynous looking. Um, but the crone 
uh, we saw earlier is working their green magic to lead this zombie charge. Meanwhile, as Kevin and Jarvis go looking for Stark Tech to help, the big guy, the big guy in the pimp suit, and Warp uh, portal in to find the key and the quote-unquote other item. More cool zombie fights, and the big guy finds Jarvis and Kevin as Kevin holds a blaster. Kevin recognizes the guy in the pimp suit, and it is, I'm going to mispronounce this, but Yulilk? Yeah, I think so. Yulilk, the unconquerable. And Kevin and Jarvis are in very big trouble. Then, obviously, more gratuitous zombie fighting, uh, and we see that red hoodie girl, a.k.a. Mayday, is jumping through the air since she doesn't have her web shooters in this issue. She notices the crone doing magic and her spider sense goes off, um, basically determining that this is clearly not a good thing. So she surprises our magic wield our evil magic wielder with another joke about Islands of Adventure. This is now two so far in this whole series. Good job. And May dodges the green magic blast. Since the magic guy lost our magic guy, our, our witch loses their connection, the zombies turn to dust, literally just poof. So as the Avengers look around, they see Spider-Girl distracting the guy. Uh, I kept writing guy, but it's, it's a girl. Uh, distracting the crone. They run, they run to Spider-Girl's aid, but our magic wielder jumps through a portal. Saberclaw once again makes comments about Spider-Girl that no one asked for. <laughs> he keeps doing this. It's like weird. No one asked him. Uh, so as they all walk in together, Dream and Spider-Girl slash our beloved hoodie girl whisper about not trusting Saberclaw as Jarvis stumbles out and explains that Warp and Yulilk took Kevin Masterson to be continued. So what are your thoughts? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'll let you do it. It's yeah. fine. It, it, you know, it's, it, it was an apropos. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, I really enjoy this first issue. Uh, Ron Lim is just so good. Uh, he's one of my favorite artists that just drawing, you know, Spider-Man and, and the Marvel universe as a whole. Uh, I remember getting like maximum, maximum clonage of uh, Alpha, not the Omega. The Omega is terrible, but Alpha. And he did, the, you know, and he also did a lot of uh, stuff with Tom on uh, Spider-Man Unlimited. So getting to see him, you know, draw uh, if it wasn't going to be Ron or wasn't going to be uh, uh, Pat, like Ron Lim is really, really good. And I, I feel like they just have a really good him and uh, that Ron and Tom, Ron Lim and Tom have a really good connection. Uh, I, I, the, the pimp suit with the, uh, and I, I guess uh, Vinkman says he always thought it was pronounced Ulick. Um, uh, yeah, it could be. I don't know. That's. And he totally thought of Kelly when he saw the Islands of Adventure time this time around. I mean, did you did you read this in the floppies? Was there an advertisement? I feel like there was an advertisement. I, I think so. Um, I'll have to double check. But when you're giving your thoughts, but um, yeah, no, I uh, this was also during the time when Marvel's tagline was Marvel, your universe. Um, but yeah, no, the pimp, the pimp, uh, the pimp outfit 
with you, like, kind of reminded me of the Hulk, like uh, Joe Fisick Hulk. Do you know what it really reminded me of? What? Um, the, God, the name's escaping me, but the gorilla from Flash. Oh, Gorilla Grodd? Yeah, Gorilla Grodd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like I say I, the, I thought it was going to be our gorilla friend from J2 right um, really like I say I, I, I kind of like the reveal um, obviously Ulick is a, is a classic Thor villain from I, I think uh, Tom and Ron used him if Ron wants to uh, uh, clarify for me in the comments he certainly is welcome to do so but uh, so again th- this is picking up the threads that were established with, with last planet standing. And so I, I really enjoyed the first issue. I think, I think it was a really good, um, really good time. I, I can tell you literally, this was, um, uh, the begin. And I think I said this last time, this was around the time when I started doing, uh, podcasting. So, uh, definitely was really involved in the spider girl message board at this point. Um, and so this, the release date was 11, uh, for, uh, November 1st of 2006. So I was in college at the time, my first semester in college. So, um, yeah, I, I have a lot of fond memories of going to the shop and getting this. And I remember when this was announced, I, I made sure that it was on the pull list and it certainly didn't disappoint. So I really enjoyed it. What are your thoughts there, Kelly? Uh, well, I mean, it is, it definitely starts off action packed. Um, and I really, I enjoy the zombie fight only because it really did feel like, uh, I don't know because I remember that time. Wasn't that the same time like Marvel Zombies was coming out? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it it very much felt along that lines, in like a tongue in cheek. So I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that fight. I also obviously enjoy Hetty Girl. Yes. Always. And always and forever. Yeah. Uh, so, well, Hetty Hardy Girl is kind of like bombastic Batman for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're not wrong no not so, wrong. but yeah um it's just it's a good straightforward issue like i don't really have a whole lot to say because i think ultimately this is a very this story is very meant to be told in its five parts mm-hmm. but it's a solid start to a very fun mini series and i will say i do I do understand the infighting uh-huh. a little bit and we'll get into it because like there's definitely some call outs to some of their childlike behavior. Right. Um, but like for Kevin and Shannon, you know, it, it's almost like there's a little bit like their civil war, but they understand, you know, I think they understand each other. It's just, Kevin is saying like, Hey, we did our best, you know, we're doing our best and that's all we can, we can do versus Shannon is like nothing. It's almost like she has to be the unachievable. Mm-hmm. Nothing is ever going to, she's never going to be satisfied with her best because she knows she can be better. And it's, that's why she drives the others, but you can't always beat yourself down. And so I think that, and that's because We'll talk about it in it, but like, you know, we'll see little bits and pieces of why Stinger walked out and just kind of why everything is starting to disassemble, although it never officially disassembles. So they got one up on the original Avengers. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, 
So Marvel Zombies did not come out until oh no, it came out in February that year. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it was very close. Yeah, very close. This is definitely a Marvel Zombies reference. I I went back and looked. So um, yeah, uh, came out in February of 2006 through June. Cover dates. So yeah. um, (laughs) Again, I really enjoyed it. Um, Speaking of covers for next issue, uh, yeah, a homage. Uh, Ron Friend says, uh, can we take a moment to praise Lauren Lim as a storyteller and craftsman? Great work. All caps. Yes. Uh, very. Definitely. Yes. Um, it, if I can't have Ron friends, I'll take Ron Lim any day of the week. <laughs> so. Why is that a joke? Why did you do that? I don't know. It's not a joke because I, I was emphasizing the Ron aspect because they're both named Ron. Then what was the. I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I guess I guess that's as good as time as any to move on to issue two. Yes, ma'am. All right. as I pull, I <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, all right. Issue two. Also, cover date of January 2007. Release date is November 29th, 2006. Uh, and the title is called The Sound of Thunder. And on the cover, it says, Introducing Thena, daughter of Thor. If you want to show the beautiful cover art again. There we awesome. go. Those, for those listening to the audio, I'm, I'm showing the cover. And it's definitely a homage to Thor's first appearance. Yes. So we get a little bit of a new layout on this beginning page. Uh, we do see the characters of this issue include American Dream, AKA Shannon Carter, Blue Streak, Spider Girl, slash our beloved Mayday, Stinger, Cassie Lang, uh, J2, Zane, which is Zane Yama, and Kevin Masterson is still formerly Thunderstrike. And also Saberclaw, whose name is not there. Uh, we start this issue with Nova and Earth Century playing Space Cop and chasing what they think might be a threat or a meteor, but they're not sure yet, and they kind of play a little betting game to figure it out. Turns out, it seems to be a little bit of both. They're not sure what to make of it. Meanwhile, at the Avenger Mansion, Stinger did come over to help find Kevin using a machine that can track energy signatures. Stinger did call the Fantastic Five for help, however, and Franklin called his good friend, Kate Power, from the Power Pack, to come help since she'd be an expert on energy, AKA Energizer. While somewhere, Warp and Ulick have chained Kevin up since he wasn't behaving, which, you know, they did kidnap him. So I don't know why they'd expect him to, to, to comply, but okay. So anyway, Kevin tries to tell Warp that Ulick will betray him but Warp doesn't really want to listen. Ulick berate, uh, berates the crone witchy lady, and uh, did she ever get a name? No, not until she's revealed. Yeah. So, yeah, so the witchy lady. And she's, like, really, really adamant that she needs to steal powers from a particular Avenger. Or just, like, an Avenger. They need to steal stuff from the Avengers. So Nova and Earth Sentry continue to chase this meteor thing that almost acts like a spaceship, but they're not 100% sure what it is. And it's clearly, they're clearly being eluded 
they can't seem to catch it. Um, but then it it almost makes it almost makes like the witches expecting this to happen. Mm-hmm. It's uh, expecting this meteor to go straight to the Avenger mansion. So you almost it almost kind of makes you believe if this, this is your first time reading it that she's doing something to this meteor. Um, but at the Avengers compound, Saberclaw and Hoodie Girl and J2 spar off because Saberclaw's mouth. Uh, so Hoodie Girl and Saberclaw have a real heated discussion where Saberclaw tells tells May that he could just bust her neck and she challenges it. Saberclaw backs out of the fight saying he really is trying to reform. Mm-hmm. Nova and Sentry realize that this asteroid is that's making these crazy moves is about to hit the Avengers compound and it hits with a kaboom, a thunder-like sound. The Avengers run outside to see the commotion. Turns out someone is in the rubble and her name is Thena, daughter of Thor. Then Nova and Earth Sentry crash into her, still deeming her a threat because of course they did. They're space cops. Spider-Girl tries to get Thena to calm down since... You know, it's it's reasonable she'd be upset about getting crashed into. Um, but May isn't wearing her classic costume, and Thena is therefore suspicious of her. First calls her an elf, then calls her a liar. It's very sad. Like, Thena is just very uh, upset. So fight time, obviously, because everyone doesn't understand each other. Uh, also really doesn't help that Saberclaw went rushing in to fight Thena with the space cops uh, because he was really trying to like prove he's a good guy. Right. Um, and then they start beating up on him because Nova is a jerk. And American Dream tells everyone to then stand back so she can assess the situation, but it really comes off as like, let the boys be boys because she doesn't want to really do anything to help Saberclaw. Eventually, Stinger gets American Dream to stop it, and J2 goes in to play referee and stop the fight. Kate is very concerned by this whole dysfunction because this is very distressing, and Blue Streak just finds it absolutely hilarious. Because, of course, she does. Uh, meanwhile, the big bads use this as a distraction to go underneath the compound and unearth a a menace to the Avengers that's been sleeping in a tomb of sorts. Outside, Thena isn't letting go of the disrespect. She feels like she's been given by Nova and Sentry and demands that they be given to her so she can beat on them with her giant hammer. J2 tries to tell her to cut it out, and as Thena chooses to wield her hammer on J2's helmet, it breaks the hammer. Thena is shocked. J2 is absolutely ecstatic. Uh, Thena pitch- pitches a fit again and is about to start fighting J2 more when Kate puts a real end to the fight using her powers to push Thena back. She advises that Thena and technically all of the Avengers she's watching can't really afford to be this petulant, arrogant, or rebellious. These emotions will cost people lives. And she knows this from experience. Thena once again feels insulted and advises she needs Kevin to help with rebuilding Asgard and 
Well, American Dream has to tell her that Kevin got kidnapped, which Thena is not too happy about. Um, American Dream tells her that it's by uh, Ulick, and Thena goes the rock troll. So I guess that's what he is. And then, you know, Jarvis apparently waited until the perfect dramatic moment because he does say that he waited until they stopped fighting. So <laughs> just, just to be overly dramatic, a uh, big moment to come in and tell everybody that our big bads stole Ultron. To the, be continued. The Ultron Supreme. No, Ultron Extreme. Extreme, sorry. Sorry. I, I, I mean, extreme, not supreme. Um, I'm not going to do the da-da-da, because, you know, I did that already once, and I get I get one per episode, so... Uh, uh, you can you can have you can have two today as a treat. Aw, thanks. But no, uh, I, again, this is really um, a fun issue because it sets up obviously Thena. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say this several times. J2's reaction to everything going on is just so wholesome and so much fun. And he's, you know, he's just a. I, I like J two. The, the now that I've went back and read everything with you again, like my appreciation for J two is just always increases. And justice for J two. He just, made his full series on Marvel Unlimited. Yes, because like it's really really cute. Like this, <clears throat> this this issue is really really fun. Now, obviously, it's kind of you know. It's issue. It's part two of the five part story, obviously. But uh, I think the artwork, the le- the breakdowns, and the layouts are really great. And I love um, the the opening splash pages. Like this feels like a classic Marvel story. Mm-hmm. Time when it was very much going against the grain. Civil War was coming was going on during this time period. You know, the unmasking with Spider-Man was going on during this time period. So so seeing this coming out at the same time as, you know, such a seismic event of Civil War is definitely kind of for for the longtime readers, I remember, was a palate cleanser. So, you know, I, I just really, really appreciate the, the the time and the effort that's put into these issues. And um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I like Thena. Thena's, Thena's a lot of fun. Like, she's a little hot-headed, you know. Uh, a little? Okay, she's a lot hot-headed, but <laughs> but no, I like I say I enjoyed I I, I enjoy the uh, I like the design I like how she's very much her you know father's daughter and um again I I think my favorite moment of the issue of the first issue was the Island's Adventure joke and I think the uh, my favorite one of this issue is is when she breaks her hammer <laughs> she's like that was a that was something a gift for my father it's not the real Molnir but it was for something very precious to me. And so, you know, then she's getting mad even more. So I also like uh, Katie Power uh, in this. I I think she is very much an unsung hero here. And I, um, I can't, I'm not so familiar enough with Power Pack, but there was this big Power Pack push at the time too. Yeah. Uh, And so I'm not surprised. So I don't know if that was like a mandate uh, from uh, on high, but uh, she's a welcome addition. So I enjoy it. No, I, I really enjoy Kate. I really enjoy the fact that, like, hey, guys, there's finally an adult in the room, even though some of them are actually, you know, a, technically adults. Um, 
because I think they're like college, you know, they're college aged, but they're definitely acting like children. And I think that that can kind of be seen, especially because Thena is a princess and demands the respect of one, even when no one else understands this. And um, it's, you know, it, it creates a lot of chaos, which is very, I believe it's very reminiscent of Thor's first issues as well mm -hmm. in Avengers. He acted the exact same way. Um, and it's it, it's a lot of fun just to kind of see their dysfunction. We've made jokes about it in the past um, that a lot of times they wind up stumbling their way uh, to victory. Yeah. But they do it as a family. And <laughs> and this is definitely a, uh, a family squabble if there was one. Um, I also, I'm really enjoying too the fact that like the moment, the moment the hammer breaks, J2 is like, oh, this was so sweet. And Blue Streak immediately gets jealous. Because <laughs> as we know, Blue Streak has a crush. And it's so funny because it's like, I don't, in the later bits of this issue, I think there starts to be that kind of spark there mm -hmm. uh, between Thena and Zane. But it's like Zane is a 15 year old boy. He does not understand this. He just thought it was cool. He broke like a replica of Thor's hammer on his head. <laughs> he, okay, Zane is very much the same. Like this was a description of Peter Parker in Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon by Greg Wiseman that Peter Parker mm -hmm. was in love with the the whoever was in front of him at the time, and I kind of feel that Zane is very much the same way. <laughs> What I'm saying is, like, I don't even think that's, like, registering in his brain. No. It's like, it's, he's just like, this was cool. And immediately Blue Streak is like, oh, no, I see sparks between them. I must. I must not. Mm -hmm. So it's very much. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just so funny. Uh, this is, you know, this is, this is our, this is our Avengers in this world. <laughs> this dysfunctional family we have. And they're about to continue their adventure because that's really all I got to say. Yeah. You, you, you've said, you've said most of it. It is just always amazing, but yeah. So let's go ahead and move into issue three, which is from February, 2007 as the cover date. And it came out on shelf, uh, December 13th, 2006. There is actually no title for this issue. I couldn't find one. It, it, and it's not in the, it's not in the floppy either. So yeah. So characters are American Dream, Spider Girl, J Two, Saberclaw, Blue Streak, Stinger, Kevin, and Kate Powers. We start with a classic scene of Ultron Extreme being beaten on by Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. It's a video that Dream is having Saberclaw watch uh, about Ultron to try and get him up to speed. Saberclaw is being very laissez-faire about this, and this is really making Dream doubt her decision on letting him join the team. Is he really here to reform? Like, could he just be here to spy on them? Because he doesn't seem to be in it, you know? Uh -huh. uh, Thena and J2 are sparring while they wait on Stinger and Kate to finish their energy signature read. Um, though Thena has a hard time waiting, she's a t tiny, 
just, you know, just a very tiny bit impatient. J2 gives an unknowing backhanded compliment that upsets Thena and then also upsets Blue Streak because Blue Streak has a crush on J2 and Zane is a 15 year old boy that doesn't understand anything at all in terms of what, what, what happened. <laughs> so, and, and the backhanded compliment was, Oh, Hey, your punch, your punch actually tickled me. <laughs> oh, oh, J2. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Uh, so yeah. So Kate and Stinger have been working on this for 48 hours. So this is now two days since the last issue and finally found the energy signature for the portal. Now they just need to open up another wormhole unless it's being used by cloaking mechanism or they're being tracked. Um, then we see that Kevin is sitting in a pentagram and is kind of being held there. I guess that's to try and help hide uh, Kevin from the energy signature. And Warp goes to get Kevin, telling him it's showtime. The our big bads show Kevin Ultron and are excited about their plan to destroy the Avengers and lay claim on the mortal world. Warp is excited for some large payout that he thinks he's going to get, but Kevin tries to tell him that he's not going to get any money from these two. The Crone and Ulick aren't in it for the money. They're in it for power. They're not going to pay him, but Warp <laughs> is not going to listen. Uh, in fact, he tells Kevin to chill out, that uh, he's being too uh, too serious. It's just like, y'all kidnapped him. <laughs> this is not a game, Warp, but all right. Um, so as everyone is gearing up to locate Kevin, Jarvis tries to make amends with Thena by giving her a new hammer that apparently weighs a ton. And Thena is very excited about it. It's the first time she smiled the entire time to the last two days, which... As J2 remarks about it, Blue Streak gets very upset again. This is just going well, so well. Uh, so, Spider Girl shows up in her red and blues. And, and again, Saberclaw makes a very unwanted comment about what May is wearing and how, she, how it looks on her, and no one asked him. Ew. I think Sab it's just because he flirts weird, but like, Ew. He flirts like a five-year-old boy. <laughs> like that—that's that's the that's the problem with Saberclaw. He flirts like a five-year-old boy. He's very—he's very emotionally stunted. Which I mean, I'm not surprised. No, 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 no one should be surprised. But it's just—he is very emotionally stunted. Um, they try to get on the jet to find Kevin, or they get on the jet to find Kevin, and. American Dream informs everyone that they're going to be fighting Ultron. So Blue Streak asks if Kate feels up for the fight, and Kate is actually excited for it. This is a childhood dream of hers to be able to join the Avengers. Spider-Girl and Thena then talk about the fall of Asgard. Thena advises that Thor and Odin called on all of the magic, all, like all Asgardian magic, so they could help revive Asgard and... American Dream comments that that must be why Kevin lost his powers. Thena advises that she's here to settle a debt, a most sacred debt of honor. And Shannon doesn't really understand that, which then ticks Thena off a bit. But, it, you know, it, it's kind of hard to understand um, 
how Thena speaks sometimes. She speaks very much like her father. Yeah. Uh, so Ultron, basically when they get there, Ultron comes out with lasers just ablazing. They all try to fight, but then Warp starts teleporting to basically hit, beat down on them as well. Some Avengers are distracted by Warp. It's pretty much Spider-Girl uses her spider sense and is able to dodge him. Thena then, as everybody's kind of distracted by Warp, Thena decides to go very hard on Ultron. But Ulick stops her before she can really go off and destroy the armor. Ulick gets the best of Thena, but thankfully, J2 is there to save the day. Then Ulick goes off on J2, and Ultron is able to get up. And they keep fighting, but the thing is, is Ultron is oddly talkative. Like, too talkative. So this intrigues Stinger, and Stinger goes into Ultron and realizes they're being played. The real Ultron then shows up, and Dream asks Saberclaw to help Blue Streak fight the drone, the Ultron drone. But Saberclaw whines and Blue, Blue, uh, Blue Streak uh, gets really snippy. She does manage to knock Warp out, though. So she's pretty fast there. Thena and J2 make fairly quick work of Ulick, but Thena may have overdone it a bit as she causes the area to flood because she knocked a hole in the bottom of the island. So, whoops. Did you know, like, the island is just that. Island is clearly very sensitive, okay? Like, just it. it was made of porcelain. Clearly. Yes. Um, so have happened to anybody kate thankfully has been playing playing the game very stealthily everybody kind of forgot she was there and you know i wrote energizer because she's energizer but as kate realizes she can stand she can kind of stand behind the scenes so to speak and still make her impact using her powers to blow up the protective shield that is around the real ultron Ultron then just goes ballistic randomly and self-destructs while he advises this is just a setback. The drone then stops working and falls to the ground. Everyone is really confused at the sudden stop in all of the fighting with Ultron. And before anybody can really think about it too much, J2 comes running in to tell them that Thena caused a flood and they need to get out. Um, so... Blue Streak goes running around to every cave and cavern on the island as fast as she can to try and find Kevin. And she does and unties him. Spider Girl's spider sense keeps going off, though, and she thinks it's because Warp woke up and left before they could really tie him up and take him to the authorities. So she lets it be. As they fly away, Stinger starts to ask Kevin some questions, which Kevin seems way too chipper to answer and tells them not to worry about the witch. Which, what? Like, he was there. <laughs> Me too, then kind of flirts with Dana a bit. Um, Blue Streak gets pissed, just angry. And Spider Girl's spider sense keeps going off because something isn't right about Kevin. Well, that's because Kevin isn't Kevin. He's the witch, and this witch decides she wants to take the Avengers out in a big bang. And we see the plane blow up uh, to be continued. 
That's the sound of the explosion. Lots of big, bombastic action. Uh, it is... <laughs> Uh, but you know, I uh, I enjoy this issue. I, I really enjoy the interplay between uh, like Thena and and J two and and Blue Streak just being pissed. Like I enjoy the little bit of melodrama in in that. Um, I really liked how Ultron, you know, is 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 the threat that he is, and and that you know Dream is taking him taking them seriously. Uh, I also like how, you know, other, like Sabercloth's comments, uh, again, like, why does he constantly look at her butt? Because this is like the third or fourth. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is like, I think it's the fourth, I think it's the fourth butt comment we've gotten from Sabercloth. This, the entire, of course, this is over a year. lot. I think, uh, what is it? We are at, after we finish this episode, we are going to be at 167 issues that we have gone over. So not as big of a thing that it could be, but at the same time, how many times have we seen Saberclaw? Yeah, like probably like six, I think. Yeah, th- I think ultimately like it's like 50% of the time he's just looking at May's butt. Yeah. Yeah. My 18-year-old self laughed at this joke. My 34-year-old self I mean, again, it's he doesn't know her age, um, right? Right. You know, I, it's he's, you know he's in his own way because this is kind of the thing. This is why he wants to be fighting the big guns, and he wants to go in guns a blazing or his claws a blazing to uh, save the day. He really wants this validation from the team that he can be a good guy. He really wants to redeem himself. Albeit, it feels like very selfish reasons, ultimately, because right. it's more just he wants the praise. But the thing is, is that, like, that's why he's doing what he's doing. And I think, too, like, these really weird backhanded comments are his strange way of trying to, like, give compliments and be sort of nice. Like, picking on picking on May or picking on J2... Because he does call, uh, he, he does kind of call J2, I think, what was it, Blubber? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, so he, he, he's he's one of those, like, prick, just like a prickly, emotionally stunted dude. Like, he just doesn't understand how to talk to people appropriately. But he is clearly, like, he's got some kind of weird thing about looking at May's butt that... He should probably stop. Like, right, right. Like, uh, you know, but no, I, I just now that because we've re- we've over the condensed period of time that this podcast has existed, we've we've you know obviously read almost up to this point everything that's been published, and so it, it just it's it's kind of funny to me that it's been a constant little jab that he sends to her. So like, you know. That is what it is. Yeah, uh, we're at um, we're less than a hundred issues to go, so we're over halfway there. Wow! The first thing that our friend Savine said, first thing I hear is he's looking at my date, but a lot. <laughs> you yeah. are on the right right part of the yeah, con- the right the right time. You came in at the right time. Perfection. And I think it's it's I think it's Sven. 
not so Man, yeah i don't think, i don't think you i don't think you actually pronounce the e uh, but speaking of which uh i mean like ultimately my my opinions are kind of peppered throughout that like it's it's again it's a lot of fun the times that they work so well together is still so dysfunctional <laughs> But they managed to make it work. And this is the thing that I always took from this when I was, especially during this time, and like you said, during Civil War, we saw in those Avengers in the 616, they were falling apart and they really didn't feel like a family or even friends. It was very much like a work situation. These people aren't co-workers. They're not colleagues. They are sister and brother and cousin and the neighbor down the street to themselves like they're very much they are friends they are family in certain aspects and that's how they this is true yeah ron friend says uh saber claw is a sister and may just knows that it, it may just know that it makes may uncomfortable <laughs> yeah but like you don't say that to your sister either and this is in any case, I mean, again, like I said, Saberclaw is just a very prickly, uh, emotionally stunted being who is trying his best to be better than he was yesterday. And we have to appreciate his efforts. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I don't know. It's, I always love when they are at their functionally dysfunctional uh, group of siblings that just seem to make it work. Uh, but we will find out why, um, obviously we know it was, this This thing was a little too easy. So we'll, we're gonna be able to see why it was so easy and, and the, what this trap brings in your breakdown. Yes, so it is my turn to do the breakdowns. Uh, the uh, issue four came out, cover date February, 2007. The day it was released was my birthday, December 28th, 2006. Oh, I forgot that it, that it was my birthday. And I went to the comic shop and picked this up on this day. Aww. It's also uh, Stan Lee's birthday. So mm -hmm. um, happy retroactive birthday to Stan and me. Uh, yes. Red retroactive birthday to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cry My Beloved Homeworld is the, is the name of the issue. Our opening splash page has mainframe Nova and Earth Sentry at Avengers headquarters, a.k.a. Avengers Mansion. Uh, He's mainframe's a little mad that the Avengers have gone missing and that Saberclaw was added to the team. Because remember, uh, mainframe has been in Washington D.C. and so he's a more than a little irritated. Uh, meanwhile, um, <laughs> uh, he demands answers from Nancy, the front desk clerk, and she tells him that hey, maybe you should you know go talk to Jarvis. So Jarvis then updates them on the fact that the trans uh, the transponder is out from the Avengers Quinjet. Uh, and mainframe thinks it's because it was destroyed. The only way that that happens is if it was destroyed. So uh, we then cut to a home, like the, the, the covers of all these issues are kind of describe what's going on in this issue. And then the cover has like various stasis tubes of like made oh, it's it. So fun. You should yes. show it to our video. Yes. So for our video, for video, uh, it's got uh, may it's got J two. Uh, Dream and Blue Streak in there, and there's like a big uh, giant remote uh, from Click. No, it's not from Click, uh, <laughs> but it's got like different symbols, like 
Dream, uh, Blue Streak, J2, and Spider Girl, and uh, I think Saberclaw. So it's and the mysterious witch hand is pressing the Spider Girl button. So really, really a fun a fun cover. So um, we have you know the the witch saying, "Well done, Warp. You successfully w- with the captives away." Uh, right at the precise moment. So obviously our, our heroes were not destroyed in the Quinjet explosion. Um, and he's getting, you know, warp's getting that praise from our big bad, uh, complimenting warp on getting that team out with seconds to spare. Warp starts to ask about the ransom and Ulick mocks him telling warp that their plans are bigger than that. They want their lives, their power and their world. Nova Sentry and mainframe, uh, arrive at the scene with Jarvis being the guy in the chair, so to speak. Uh, Warp has opened a portal to go get Kevin, and uh, uh, as as he's doing that, Jarvis is kind of locking on to the location. Our baddie, I, I call our baddie because I didn't call, it the, call her the witch, but our witch is monologuing for the reader the dastardly plan. Basically, they want to restore Asgard to its former glory, and um, so she she then demonstrates the abilities by creating a virtual magic avatar clone of mayday uh but not before mainframe and the team close in thanks to jarvis getting that lock on that location when warp teleported to get kevin dream claw and mate and blue streak are all created as cl- as clones slash avatars while j2 is back to being zane again which kind of perplexes uh our witch because now he's a mere mortal so um Quickly, the trio of Mainframe, Sentry, and Nova are overtaken, but thanks to Mainframe's extra bodies, uh, it eventually he eventually comes back to save the day. Um, after our witch has released everybody but Kevin, uh, he then they she then uh, pulls out uh, Athena and uh, monologues Athena the master plan interspersed with the fight between Ulick and Mainframe. We uh, finally get to see the true form of our baddie, Celine. Is that correct? I Am I saying that right? Celine, yeah. Celine, daughter of Loki. She wants to gather as many heroes as possible to create the realm as it was, Asgard, reborn. Athena, of course, isn't jibing with this, and uh, uh, Vibe has second thoughts. Did I call him Vibe? Oh. It's, it's Warp. It's warp. <laughs> <laughs> See, you did it too. I was like, I swear, I'm gonna go back and and double check that things weren't like mistyped or something in the lettering. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think so. I think it's uh, I think it's us. I think it's yeah. an us problem. Yeah, and one of the key, one of the heroes that uh, Celine gathers is uh, Dark Devil, and then of course she's also trying to gather as many of. Her- of the various heroes. So like, as she's telling the plan, you're seeing all these different Marvel heroes kind of assembling and in this kind of semi splash page, which is really good by Ron Lim. Um, <laughs> so vibe has second thoughts because like, he's like, you promised nobody would get hurt. Um, and so warp, warp. I said vibe warp has second thoughts, teleporting Kevin away. Celine then turns uh, Zane into J two and, teleports him into the into the heart of the volcano and which starts to create asgard on earth between that and uh athena together that that's what's creating the uh, asgard on earth Ulick is still fighting mainframe and Ulick seemingly gets the upper hand but as mainframe regroups he begins to feel fear so uh, something that he's not obviously programmed to feel obviously 
So, um, Warp, as I say, I say in my notes correctly, and Kevin arrive, and Warp is freaking out. Kevin, though, he's just uh, they have arrived back to Avengers HQ. Uh, Warp is kind of freaking out because, like, he's like, "What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" And Kevin's like, "Get these chains off of me. We're gonna." He's just ready to save the world. To be concluded. Kelly, your yeah. thoughts on so, uh, fourth issue? Dun dun dun. I mean, it's kind of. I think, especially after Last Planet Standing, you start seeing green magic. And you assume, especially with that very androgynous kind of looking. And the reason I use crone is it's just because witch magic, you know, in, right. in pagan mythology, there's the the, ma- the maiden, mother, and crone. So that's why I keep using crone. But, like, because you have that, you know, you, you really start to think this is going to be Loki. Like, you're almost certain this is going to be Loki. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's his daughter, somebody that Athena has peppered in in her various monologues because she is her father's daughter. Um, <laughs> that, you know, she she was pretty much inseparable from her cousin. And, of course, we see her cousin in these flashbacks that look very much like Loki, but, like, you're not 100% sure if it's Loki or if it's Celine. And I mean, not that we knew Celine until right now, but now we know it's Celine. It's her cousin. And chaos. Let chaos reign like every Loki does. So, yeah. It's, it's really funny. Um, I think the, the final issue cover got put in the solicitation, so it kind of semi-ruined the surprise. Mm-hmm. But um, I really, again, I, I think this is a really good issue. I, the opening splash page with mainframe is just really, really good. It, it, there is something to be said about breakdowns that can tell the story without words. And I think that it's somewhat of a lost art. And we were talking about this, I think, with, with John Romita Jr., you know, uh, with his recent ASM run the breakdowns and the storytelling are still top notch. Like there's, there's inconsistencies with the artwork, but the storytelling ability of, you know, guys like Ron friends. And I'm not just saying that cause he's listening to the show right now, but that era of artists are really, they, they're just so good. Ron Lim too, of breakdowns and the story flowing. And I feel like that this is a very much an action packed issue as yeah. it kind of, can be told by like especially with my recap so like it feels like that this was you know usually you have your rising action and then your falling action but here it's just it's just a slow steady gradual rise and and it kind of starts getting into its full crescendo here and so i really really enjoy that um and and the way that these issues are written and I, i we don't say this enough i don't think you could pick up avengers next part five and not be lost. Oh yeah. You can yeah. pick up three and not be lost. It, it does a really good job being still everybody's issue is their first issue. And I, I, I think it's just really well done by, by, by the team. And, and so, like I said, that's more or less what I've got in terms of specific thoughts. Again, J2 is, is <laughs> he's, he's great. I, I, to me, justice for J2, justice for J2 hashtag. And you know, he, he is, you know, he did the artwork for J2, uh, Ron Lim did the artwork for J2. 
So I do feel like there's a lot of in this, there's a lot of J2 in the story, which, you know, you can never get enough of because Zane is just, he really is like one of those, like, especially with us rereading it. I don't think we, you know, I, I don't fully think that like we appreciated him when we should have. Mm -hmm. And I feel bad. We, <laughs> so like, justice that's for J2. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that, um, I mean, him, Paul Ryan, uh, Ron, and Pat, they just really all have such great strengths. And I think that they all work really well together. And I, I just enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. Um, Ron does just as Ron Friends and Ron Blim both do such a great job in, in their panel compositions. And, and again, the, the structure of the story breakdowns is very similar in each issue like big opening splash page you know it, it very f much feels like a throwback to like the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. time with like with this coming out when it did i i think it's it was such a like a palate cleanser to longtime fans and i and, and it kind of that became kind of the mantra of dmc2 um especially during this time period for a lot of people so um if you got any more thoughts, or do we want to move on to the final issue of the of the episode? I, I think we can move on. So, all right, um, we have our final issue. It's got uh, uh, Celine, you know, conjuring up magic with with the various Avengers surrounding her. <clears throat> is the name of the issue is "Farewell, My Planet," and. Um, March 2007, cover date uh, January 24th, 2007. Uh, our issue opens with Kevin accessing the Department of Defense files, and uh, they're running a simulation, and he fears that New York uh, and is going is got about maybe half an hour before it gets overtaken, because for the past three hours in between issues, uh, guard. so they have to break the spell from the, uh, from the energy clones, not Enri, energy clones and suddenly Jarvis says they have to abandon the mansion uh, as the clones close in Kevin asks for a hand getting something as as uh, warp tries to open the portal uh, <laughs> he's somewhat confused because there's a monstrosity that's supposed to help them gee I wonder what it is uh, we then cut to back at the near somewhere near the equator with the uh, volcano uh, Selene is basking in her success while J2 struggles to get control. He's still fighting uh, her, her, the magic that uh, in the center of the volcano. Meanwhile, Iron Man appears. It is the gold second generation suit from when Loki first, when the Avengers were first formed. And uh, Ulick destroys it with ease. Um, he's somewhat confused, uh, but clearly it was mean, a means of distraction and it worked. So Kevin has the Grim Reaper's scythe uh, to defend himself and uh, and warp sends you <laughs> literally to the moon. <laughs> Just says, nope, go to the moon. Very much like how uh, Doctor Strange uh, sent Thor in, in uh, Ragnarok. <laughs> Just like slams the, slams the portal. Um, so uh, Kevin doesn't want to hurt Celine. Uh, meanwhile, Mainframe sends his decides that he's that in order to stop this, he's going to send his satellite hurling towards Earth. While J two finally uh, in the center of the volcano finds Thena. Seconds tick pass, and Jar Jarvis reverses the spell with the remote control that Warp gave him earlier. So, uh, 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 Celine had the remote control, and whenever 
she was hit earlier. The remote control flew out of her hand. Warp grabbed it and uh, gave it to um, to Jarvis. So, um, Saberclaw then attacks Celine and almost gets the upper hand when May kind of saves him, or not kind of saves him. Actually, saves him. Uh, she's almost getting the upper hand. Blue Street grabs Celine and Dream smashes her in the face with the shield. Uh, Energizer then assists while Kevin uh, tends to, to Saberclaw. His healing factor, of course, is kicking in. J2 grabs Thena and starts to smash against the volcano. J2 is trying and trying, and May warns everybody to stand down when Kawapoom, uh, a giant explosion. And immediately upon this, the spell reverses. Thena compliments J2 on his prowess and gives him a kiss. J2 is very obviously happy about this. Selene is still fighting the rest of the Avengers when Tina shows up. She's quickly captured when Kevin tries his turn. Tina, of course, introduces herself, and Kevin's like, this is not the time for introductions. But she, she, she tells Kevin that she has a gift from Thor himself, and they slowly but surely reach out, touching hands. No, don't start sw- singing uh, Sweet Caroline, because Thunderstrike is back, baby! Selene shouldn't have fled as Odin and Thor really are working on restoring Asgard. Kevin attacks Selene and she thinks it's still her right to rebuild. Mainframe informs them of the impending impact and they've got 10 seconds to get out. Everyone is out when Selene starts throwing a temper tantrum because she kind of comes to just as the impact of the satellite hits. It's a close one, but everyone is seemingly out safe, except we don't know if Selene made it out. Mainframe is teed off because, of course, she left American Dream as the leader for adding Warp and Saberclaw to the team, but she immediately shuts them down. They answered the call. They are the Avengers of Earth. They're the ones who answered the call despite their past, and from now on, they answer the call of Avengers Assemble. Kelly, Yay. final yeah. thought. Uh, obviously, for those great. Uh, just a great final splash page yes very much uh yeah i mean i really i love the conclusion of the story um i mean especially like i said with with Sabreclaw and now warp trying to redeem themselves it's really you know it's, it's just really heartwarming even if we <laughs> even if um Sabreclaw is a little hard uh to always like and respect because the way he conducts himself he's definitely the wolverine of this of this group <laughs> definitely uh well that's like, his father, like father like son i mean that's a lot of them like, yeah, kind of like that but yeah. yeah it's you know he's it's just it's a great story overall uh it's definitely a great mini series um yeah i mean they're back they are finally back and we finally have thunderstrike back and i i did kind of like celine like she's not she's not terribly like super evil it's just she's going about things the wrong way um and thena thena means well but thena has a lot of growing up to do And yeah, no, I mean, these are our dysfunctional yet our functionally dysfunctional Avengers that are great. I love them. 
I have like that's a, I w- wish I had more to say, but it's like I didn't really dig super deep mm-hmm. into this because I don't think it is that deep. It's just a really fun action, you know, mini series. Yeah, it it, it kind of closes the loop of the plot threads from the previous two mini series, and so mm-hmm. I think when you read it like we have so close together, uh, you it just feels like that this is the natural progression of, of the Avengers at this point. And, and considering that we won't, we won't get much, we get some sporadic appearances here and there. It's nice for them to kind of, you know, this trilogy of, of mini series really uh, is, is really a fun MC two story overarching. And I, I really appreciate it. I mean, um, I, I just think that the action is, Ron Lynn does action really well. Uh, it, it, it's really well paced. Uh, it especially reads great mm-hmm. um, together. Uh, this was also released, by the way, as a trade, trade paperback. You can probably find it if you uh, aren't using Marvel Unlimited. If you want to have like a physical copy, I mean, the, the physical copies are um, are available out there. So, yeah. although I believe the, I'll be honest, I think you can get a pack of the floppies far cheaper than you can get the uh, graphic trade. novel. At yeah. this point, like the bounded um, paperback, because those were those have been out of print for quite a while. Uh, eighteen years. Uh, uh, oh. I mean, maybe not quite eighteen yeah. years. Because uh, it is, it is only. Um, it came out spring of two thousand seven. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's been. It's Was been there a any- little bit? Was there any features Vinkman? Vinkman's following along with the trade for the show tonight. So, yeah. If there's any, let, uh, let us know in the comments. Uh, Sven is, is he's geeking out over Ron being on the show. Sven, trust it us. Great. It is great. And I mean, we, this, and- this is what we do every, every time. <laughs> we, we internally have freakouts. Yeah. yeah we, we usually wait to express our joy until after the, the recording. <laughs> it's very true. We, we have our, we have our fan, our fan moments because it's, it's awesome. Ron Friends is the it, best. Ron Friends is an international treasure. So since Sven is over in Europe, yes. uh, watching this live yeah. at, a, at a, like probably four o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> probably, yeah. So yeah. All right. So do you have any final thoughts about this overall? Uh, you know, again, I, I think I. It's a great kind of wrapping up of the elements from the previous two uh miniseries so i think as a trilogy this really ends on a very high note yeah. uh, for our heroes and so that's really cool uh, I, I like how mayday is in this uh obviously she's not the star but like she operates i feel like better um she's than much, her father she's, well she's much more of a team player that She's also, yeah. I mean, obviously she plays sports, so she knows how to work as a team versus mm-hmm. I think Peter's always been a bit of a loner. He's always kind of had that, especially in the beginning, had that chip on his shoulder that, you know, when we see it, it through his eyes, we understand him. But in the Avengers, he's not always, you know, the most likable because they don't see that, you know, they don't understand why what's there is there. Kind of like in this, you know, in this miniseries, they're asking her why is she wearing the hoodie? Why, you know, 
not everybody knows her name and how old she is. And, you know, they don't understand everything going on in her life. So they do have questions and she's not going to give them answers. And, you know, she's always kind of wafted a bit on how much she's going to help them and how much she's not. But she always comes in at the end of the day for them and is willing to always, you know, she's all, she's all, she's not afraid to fight with them. There's never like a fear or a hesitation to fight as a team. And she does trust them, which is something I think Peter struggled with a little bit in the beginning. So, you know, yeah. For obvious reasons. I mean, if you go back and start really, uh, issues. There's there's some there's some very clear reasons. Uh, and if you want to hear more about those early issues, go check out Amazing Spider-Man Classics here on the Spider Dude Radio Network. Yes, but I mean, also on that too, these aren't your these aren't the classic Avengers. These aren't your parents' Avengers. Right. As I make the jokes that they're the dysfunctional siblings, like I said, they they really don't come off as intimidating. Not that they're not formidable. Not that they're not strong you know can't kick ass but there's a lot they almost have a there's a lot more compassion i think that shows through on the outside mm-hmm. that i think i mean obviously may's very intuitive so she's going to pick up on that plus cassie and shannon aren't you know they were very they were very much there to support her they very much listened to her and trusted her instincts and she in turn trusted theirs and they make a great team and then the boys come in and ruin everything (laughs) (laughs) that's true mostly j2 slightly he means well everybody means well but that's i think that's my my main thing like i said they're they feel more like a family much more like you know that they really love each other it's not just a working relationship versus the avengers at times have always felt a little bit more cold in an intimidating way, not, you know, so that's, at least to me, that's kind of the way I've always taken it. This is much more warm and inviting, come hang out with us versus, you know, you can't sit with us. Right. So. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But. Uh, but we'll move on to emails. Yes. We emails, and uh, you can always listen to email at Make my mayday at gmail.com or spider dude radio network at gmail.com. Uh, we have two of them this episode, right? We do. So, do you want me to take Russell and you take Thinkman? Yeah. That's or... Okay, cool. So, I'll read Russell's. He did send this uh, to us on May 20th at 3 a.m. <laughs> at least I got it at 3 a.m. Yeah. Uh, hello, Zach and Kelly. I stumbled across this podcast by accident. I had previously watched the interview that you did with DeFalco and the Spider-Girl creative team during the pandemic, but I had forgotten all about your channel until I saw a Reddit post on the Spider-Girl fan sub. This led me to Kelly's cosplay of Mady Parker, which led me back to your YouTube channel and this podcast. Discovering this podcast was like discovering buried treasure that I had already kind of discovered and then forgot about. Sorry I'm late to the party, but it's nice to know that there are people out there who love Mady Parker as much as I do. I hope I'll be able to work through your backlog of episodes as quickly as possible because I have a lot of thoughts on Spider-Girl. Looking forward to joining you on this journey through Mayday's history. First question to you both, 
do you think more could have been done with Felicity Hardy as the Scarlet Spider? Personally, and this is this is RH, this is Russell talking. Personally, while I do think that Spider-Girl and Spider-Man kind of work better without a sidekick or partner, I wish that Felicity had stuck around as Scarlet Spider a bit longer. I don't know. Maybe I just wanted her around because I have a soft spot for Ben Riley and I like seeing his old mantle getting taken up by somebody else. Best wishes, R.H. Oh, R.H., you and I are kindred spirits, buddy. I am a big Ben Riley fan. I mean, that's what I... We started the podcast network doing a Clone Saga podcast. So uh, I, I definitely have a similar soft spot for Ben Riley. Uh, to answer the question, um, I think there could have been a little bit more done, but I think that it that she kind of served that purpose, especially when we saw what happened in issue 100. Um, I... I really think that as she gets older i think that there could have been a little bit more where may took her under her wing but i think there was just a lack of maturity and you could have probably done more long term but short term i i think her story was well um executed uh, i i do i i do like how uh she she takes that that mantle and and tries to be the black cat slash ben riley to to Mayday. So I, I enjoyed that aspect. Uh, it was always one of my favorite elements of the first volume um, was the introduction of her as Scarlet Spider. So uh, I, I enjoy it, but I feel like the story kind of served its purpose and she's better right now, at least as a background character. Uh, I mean, I, I would never call her a background character. She's, she's a, a of- re- recurring character. Um, I like her the way she is. Uh, especially as we see her as an almost man in the chair using her technical skills. And I think that's just because that's, to me, like from a story standpoint, that would be where she can grow into her own character, into her own person. Because I really hate, um, you know, I don't hate it, obviously, because I love Mady Parker, but like, I don't feel like every character needs to follow in their parents' footsteps. And I think that that's kind of, what Felicity was almost trying to do, but she also didn't want to be Black Cat. She didn't want to do, it was very clear she wanted to have some identity away from her her mother. And I think the best thing for her, especially after she learns a very uh, traumatic lesson in that this is not a game, uh, you know, this is very serious and you know, is kind of taking that step back and doing much more technical things. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really, I really like that aspect of her in Amazing Spider-Girl, and I'm excited that we'll see that uh, in later issues. And, you know, there, there was a lot that could be, although I will say this, I do, we had a great issue about her depression, mm-hmm. but I almost wish we had tapped into that a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Um, but. That's also my like my main my main thing about the uh, Hardys is I wanted to know like I just wanted to know like what caused Felicity and like to be the way she is what caused her her brother to be you know the what caused Gene to be the way he is like there's a lot of dysfunction in in those stories that we never fully never gets fully fleshed out that. I feel like would have been really interesting from a uh, story perspective. Rob makes a, 
Ron made a good point too. I want to point that out. Uh, Tachaka too also made a similar observation about how the team behaves as more of a family way back in AMX number four. I feel like if we go back to that episode, I probably was like, I agree. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost positive that that, that, that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we have two emails. So not just one today, we have two, which is why we really needed to do this episode before we had more, but you guys should send us more. Yeah, yeah, send yeah. us all feedback. Uh, you can also leave a voicemail at 818-925-6631. We'll play it on the show. Uh, Daniel uh aka Brinkman uh sends us his his email he says hello kelly and zach how are you doing hopefully real life isn't throwing you too much parker lux type of stuff at us anyway (laughs) just watch after this email one of you is gonna have going to talk about having to fight off super villains on your way to work because well i mean it unless you count houston and atlanta traffic as super villains um yes yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have a few thoughts about the beginning of Amazing Spider-Girl. First and foremost, can I just say that Ron Friends is just the best, isn't he? His art manages to capture the feel and flavor of old school jazzy John Romita while still looking very contemporary and up to date. Now, I'll freely admit I know nothing about fashion, and some of the, but some of the outfits people were wearing felt very real to him at this time around. Like, he can actually imagine seeing people wearing them. He felt Mona's uneasiness from the way Ron drew her throughout these issues. And I don't know uh, else how to describe it, but it just leapt off the pages for him. And speaking of leaping, someone that most of us wishes would take a long walk off a short pier is Gene. What a manipulative, controlling jerk. There are otherwise other words he could use to describe him, but he's going to keep his PG. How he's treating May is rude and disrespectful. He does not deserve her. And not to spoil anything for new readers, but for very specific story reasons, this doesn't happen. But I'd love to have seen how Peter and MJ would react if they knew how Jean has been acting towards their daughter. Who boy, there would have been words. Anyway, that's all for now. Please take care of yourselves. And until we find out how on Gog's Green Earth, how Jimmy and Wes found the money to self-finance their comic book, make his mayday. Sincerely, think. I mean, we've talked about Jean. I Yeah. There, there is something going on with Jean. I don't I think sometimes we get very hyper angry at him, like as the character, just because we are very protective of Mayday, and he is definitely not treating her right, and gets worse as we get along. Um, but I see, this is, my, this is my thing of knowing being a teenager. Mm-hmm. There honestly probably would have been no way her parents were ever going to find out about it because ultimately May doesn't really find out until like the end that he was being, you know, going behind her back and sabotaging, you know, things for her just so he could have more time with her. Yeah. So like I said, it, that's something that would be really hard to have described. And also if Peter had found out, afterwards that probably wouldn't have been a good a good thing for gene no no and 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 frankly i mean if his father knew what was going on too he'd be oh yeah flash would be flash would be very disappointed at him um it, it kind of goes into the dysfunction of of the two i mean felicity and gene being brother and sister and there how the different uh dynamics were of how um 
how they were raised, you know, how, how their home lives were too. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to that onion that I feel like that we sometimes we, we, we are pretty hard on Gene for justifiable reasons. Right, yeah. But I, I think that it, when you peel those onions back a little bit, that the, there's a lot of anger between the two. So, uh, Ron has a theory though. Uh, perhaps Jimmy and Wes crowdfunded their comic. So many do these days. Hey, hey, yes, they do. And honestly, I bet you they totally did, but it was like a bake sale because there wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't around in during the time, but I bet you they got enough money from uh, Midtown High. Oh, I'm sure. Moose, maybe they shipped like some uh, treats to Moose in exchange (laughs) for a private benefactor. Um, But yeah, no, I, um, I like, I slightly lost my thought, but, uh, well, I was going to say, it's like, I love how, and I know I'm the main culprit, but I talk about them like real people, but that's because there's enough layers to them that the characters feel 3d three dimensional. And they're not, they're not just cartoon characters. They do feel like they have, you know, they have emotions, they have histories that we don't always know. And yeah, so, and yes, yes, Ron, it was set in the future. So the quasi future. So yeah, maybe, maybe they, maybe they have a Patreon. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you can go to patreon.com and support the website slash Spidey Dude Network and support this podcast. So check out our Patreon. I got some more exclusive goodies that are coming very soon. So, um, Anyway, uh, Kelly, you want to preview our next episode? I do. So we're going to go through six, eight, and nine. Um, and there's a, or six, six through, sorry, six through eight is what I wrote. I don't know what I did. Don't, I'm tired. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to go through Amazing Spider Girl issue six through eight, since uh, nine actually, issue nine starts a four parter, plus the Fantastic Five sits in between issues seven and eight. Uh, next episode is going to be a bit short. Uh, we've got the Hobgoblin crashing a comic shop signing party, some aftermath from Spider-Girl 100, and a story where MJ takes center stage, at least in a narr- at least in narrating the story. Uh, I don't know when we plan to record this next, since it's kind of got to be when both me and Zach can handle uh a recording time and we do have to kind of take our take care of ourselves but we will let you guys know when we can and as soon as we can and we'll go from there uh it's just going to kind of be a little touch and base but hey uh but anyway you know thank you for sticking with us and being excited to share our love of mayday together because i know it means a lot to me and i wish i could do these more i wish i had the time to do these more yeah right now. They're, 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 they are time intensive, but they're labors of love. And I think that that shows each, each time we record and each time we release an episode. So for our audio listeners, uh, we'll have the audio editions up. Obviously, uh, if you're listening to us on the audio version, thank you. Uh, but be sure to follow us on our social medias, um, Facebook and Twitter, or Facebook, at Dude Network, uh, Instagram as well. Uh, Twitter is at Spidey Radio and at Make My Mayday. Follow us there. YouTube, youtube.com slash Dude Radio Network. Instagram, uh, you can follow Kelly on Instagram at kbigdaniel28, uh, as well as uh, TikTok as well. Um, 
So, yeah, that's, uh, I think, kind of wraps up the episode. Uh, we want to once again thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Network guys like Guys and gals like Vinkman, Scott, Greg, Jurgen, Phoenician, Kale, Georgia, Cindy. Uh, thank you guys for your support of the website and support of all of our shows, uh, such as Voices from the Area Gargoyles podcast. Uh, just had, um, or is going to have a, the latest episode being released tomorrow of, as of this recording. Uh, we got the Sabi Cinema Era podcast, uh, had an episode released this week covering the Tombstone arc. We've got. Uh, of course, our, our old shows, such as uh, Clone Saga Chronicles and Spectacular Radio, you can fi- find those in the archives. And uh, Amazing Spider-Man Classic is going to have a new episode very soon as well. So uh, stay tuned for all the things here on the Spidey Radio Network. We really appreciate it. And on behalf of myself and Kelly, we want to thank you for watching. Thank you for listening here on this episode of Make Mine Mayday. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time here on 